You've often heard me say that when it comes to desire and when it comes to seeking, our relationship with God needs to be a two-way street. It's not a one-way street. Prior to our salvation, and Christians have to get a hold of this, because prior to our salvation, God did all the seeking. Who did all the seeking? Luke chapter 19, verse 10, For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. Romans 3, verse 11, No one understands, no one seeks for God. How many seek for God? Now, all of our life, God's been the one pursuing us. But there has to come a point in time when we're not only the pursued, but we also become the pursuers. We want to seek God. Everybody say, I desire God. Say it again. Now, it's sometimes fun to watch the young people when they begin to fall in love. And, you know, a young man begins to court a young lady. And, you know, he's making all of the effort. And she's just kind of standing back and kind of looking at him. When I fell in love with Sister Bev, she said, I fell in love with her, but she grew in love with me. It took a while. I mean, I had to work on this, okay? Just like most of you guys, you got to work on them a little bit. Ladies are lovable. Guys, not so lovable. The ladies have to work on it, okay? Now, there comes a point, however, when you watch these guys just scratching their head going, really? Yeah, really, it works like that. They just don't look at you and go, oh, I'm in love with you too. No, it doesn't work like that. It's always interesting to watch the young people when all of a sudden it begins to go both ways. When she's no longer sitting back just... When she's also reaching toward him. And hearts are beginning to seek each other. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Everybody say, two hearts seeking each other. That's when the relationship really begins to develop. Now, if you can understand that simple concept, you need to understand that all of our life, God was seeking us. He was the pursuer. He is the bridegroom. We're the bride. But there has to come a point in which in our hearts, we also begin to seek him. Now, God has done everything to make our entrance into his presence a beautiful thing. Ephesians 2, verse 13 said, Once we were far off, we've been brought near by the blood of Christ. Everybody say, brought near. Colossians 1, verse 21 and 22 said that when we come into his presence, we are free from accusation. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 and 20, that we enter with confidence into the holy place by the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 4, verse 16, with confidence we draw near the throne of grace. Everybody say, with confidence. So everything necessary for us to begin to seek him has been taken care of by Jesus. Now, with that in mind, I want you to remember back to the days of first love, though it should always be those days. Young people, when they first get born again, they are so excited. It's so wonderful to be loved. It's, it's so wonderful to come into the presence of God and know perfect forgiveness, perfect love, perfect acceptance. And, and you, you feel so absolutely wonderful to, to enter into that kind of relationship. But too often, as Christians mature, uh, their love does not mature. Instead, their love begins to get a little cold, 
And they begin to act like an old married couple that have lost all the fire and all the romance and it's more like a partnership in life than something that was meant to be a love affair. And I watch many Christians go through this today. Please, I don't say this to be critical. But I watch many Christians, you, you love God, but mm, the passion's gone. You, you love God, but mm, the fire's gone. You, you love God, but you can stand there during worship and just, yeah, hurry up. I want to hear Pastor's sermon tonight. And there's not much emotion left in your insides for God. Now, what I want to walk you through for a few weeks is just learning to seek God. Everybody say, learning to seek God. And really, this is not so much something I can teach your head. This is something that somehow we have to communicate to your heart. You don't intellectually seek God. It, it has to be a heart cry. And so when I'm, I'm teaching you this tonight, yes, I, I'm teaching you intellectual thoughts, but I need you to open your heart. What do you think I can open my heart? I, I need you to open your heart and, and be honest with yourself, and I need you to begin to let your heart reach out to God. Everybody say, my heart reach out. Say it again. You, you can't do all this kind of a thing intellectually. I don't care how smart you are. Love is not an intellectual thing. First love is not an intellectual thing. There's an emotion involved. Psalms chapter 84, beginning with verse 1. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of God. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even a sparrow finds a home, and a swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise, Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart, in your heart, everybody say, in my heart. In my heart are the highways to Zion. What is Zion? The place where God dwells. That's why the NIV translates that same verse, who have set their hearts on a pilgrimage. Set their hearts on a what? Now go back to the ESV. In whose heart are the highways to Zion. It's in your heart. Your heart, there's a highway to the presence of God. Everybody say, in my heart, there's a highway to the presence of God. Say it again. Now let's just begin to take this apart. Why do we have a desire to set our hearts on a pilgrimage? Why, why do we have a desire to have a highway into the presence of God in our hearts? He said, my soul longs for you. Yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing, or another translation says, cry out for the living God. I want you to notice, your heart cries out. Your soul, everybody say, my soul. Your soul has a desire for the presence of God. Your emotions have a desire for the presence of God. Your, your attitudes and your thoughts have a desire for the presence of God. Your will has a desire for the presence of God. 
When I was young, my father always used to talk to me about good mental health. Everybody say, good mental health. And he had all these lessons on good mental health, how to keep your brain healthy. And by that, he wasn't referring to physical health. He was referring to keep your thinking right. But let me give you some mental health. Everybody say, good mental health. How many of you want good mental health? Eat this one, come on. How many of you want to live free from depression? Free from discouragement? Free from stress? What is it that your soul desires? Have you ever noticed that when your body needs something, you crave a certain type of food? Except when you're pregnant, then everybody craves Magnum bars. I'm joking. But you know what I'm talking about. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Your body, your body instinctively knows it needs this. Is that right? And you have a craving for a certain kind of food because your body is needing the nutrients from that certain kind of food. Now, if you can understand that in your physical body, can you not comprehend that your soul is longing for the presence of God? That your soul knows what it needs to be healthy? Your soul needs the presence of God. If you're going to have a strong will, it needs the presence of God. If you're going to have good attitudes, it needs the presence of God. If you're going to have good desires, your soul needs the presence of God. If you're going to have good health of your soul, if you're, if you're going to prosper and be in good health even as your soul doth prosper, your soul needs the presence. Everybody say, my soul needs the presence. This is why I have you, have you ever gone for a week without praying and reading your Bible? Don't raise your hand. I won't, don't want you to be embarrassed. Ever gone for a week without reading your Bible and praying? What did you feel like? Empty, discouraged, a little depressed. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Go on, put your hands up. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay. Your soul needs the presence of God. Everybody say, my soul needs the presence. This is why you need, and I'm just going real slow with this, all right? This is why you need to be in church early and be a part of the whole worship time. I didn't hear you. This is why we don't have a 10-minute worship service and a one-hour service. This is why we, you, you want to worship. This is why you want to get up in the morning and have devotions. This is why you want to get up every morning and, and put on some good music, nice and loud. Not too loud to mess up your neighbor, but just sing along and worship God. Are we still here? Are we still? How many of you understand what I'm talking about? This is something your soul needs. So when people look at you and go, well, you don't really want the presence, excuse me. You do want the presence. Your soul, he said, my soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. And then he continues, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Everybody say, my heart and my flesh I will never forget, most of my early life as a baby Christian, I believed a false doctrine. Because when I went to Bible college, the Bible school professor kept saying, your flesh doesn't want to pray. 
Your flesh doesn't want to worship. Your flesh doesn't want to read your Bible. And so I believed that there was something wrong with my flesh, and my flesh did not want it. But that's not what the Bible said. My flesh cries out for the living God. My physical body wants to be in the presence. Everybody say, my physical body. Now, let me illustrate it, and then we'll get into this in a little more detail. Do you remember when I taught you about demons? That demons are drawn to the presence because they were created to be there, and they couldn't help themselves? I mean, it's so funny. Demons just, they can't help themselves. If Jesus was near, the demons had to come be by Jesus because that is where they found rest. Demons needed the presence of God. They have no rest. Everybody say, no rest. Say it again. Now, if you can understand that, multiply it by infinity, and we're talking about your body. You were created to be with God. You were created to fellowship with God. Every part of your being, body, soul, and spirit, was created for the presence of God. So don't tell me your physical body doesn't want to pray. Yes, it does. Don't tell me your physical body does not enjoy worship. How many of you were in Never Claim? Did you enjoy jumping and shouting and dancing and singing before the Lord? You should do that every service. Thank you for your enthusiasm. You should do that every service. Your physical body cries out for the living God. Everything about your physical body wants the presence. Everybody say, my soul and my body want the presence of God. Now, why? Well, because that's home. Everybody say, that's home. Say it again. Now, let me ask you a question. Where do you feel more comfortable than any place else in life in the natural? Home. Everybody say home. I was just in hotels. Nice hotels, but hotels. Monday night, Tuesday night. Do you think I slept very much? No, I don't sleep very good in a hotel. I want to sleep in my own bed at home. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Brother Rene is funny. He hates traveling maybe even more than I hate traveling. If Brother Rene can get home, he will get home that night. Don't make me wait till tomorrow morning. He wants to get home that night. We have sayings like, there's no place like home. It's the place where we're comfortable. Now, if you can understand that in the natural, now let's begin to see it in the spirit realm. Psalms 84 verse 3. Even the sparrow finds a home. And the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. And the Hebrew word there for dwell has the idea of be at home, the place where you belong. The what? Everybody say the place where I belong. Have you ever noticed that in worship you just feel like you belong? In the presence. That's where we belong. When, when people get around me and they say, oh, Pastor Summer, I don't like worship. I don't, I don't like all this presence stuff. I say, you're going to have a real hard time for eternity. 
life is really short. You've got about 70 years here, plus for good behavior. So maybe you're going to be 80. But then you go to heaven. And then for the rest of eternity, you are going to be in the presence. So if you don't enjoy the presence, you're going to have a real problem for the rest of eternity. This is home. Everybody say, this is home. It's where we belong. It's the best place to live. Psalms 84 verse 10. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. One day in his courts. We sing the song all the time. Is better than a thousand elsewhere. One day in his courts. One day in his presence is better than three and a half years elsewhere. Better than five years elsewhere. Better than ten years elsewhere. One day. It is so good. One day. Everybody said, just one day. Now, at some point, you need to look in your heart and go, if I don't feel like that, then maybe there's something wrong between me and God. Because if that's not how you feel, you and God need to have a little conversation because God has forgiven you. And this is how you should feel. Everybody say, how I should feel. Now, in his presence, we find protection. Psalms 84, verse 11, the Lord God is a sun and shield. Everybody say, a shield. In his presence, there's protection. In his presence, there's provision. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. All of this is about the presence. If, if you have a need, you come into the presence and you ask. He promises, listen, if you have a need, there is not one good thing I will hold back from you. He said, now I'm not going to do bad things for you. But he said, there's not one good thing that I will hold back from you. Now, you could come into God's presence and say, God, um, I want you to kill me. And God's not going to do that because that's not a good thing. But no good thing will he withhold from you. Everybody say, no withholding anything good. We find favor and honor. Verse 11, for the Lord God is the sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So in his presence, there's no criticism. In his presence, there's no intrigue. In his presence, there's no attack. Remember, in his presence, because of the blood of Jesus, we are free from accusation. In his presence, there's nobody tearing us up. In his presence, it's just good. Everybody say, it's just good. You know, sometimes in the morning, I get up, and while I'm eating my breakfast, I... I'll watch Fox News from the U.S. for a few minutes and then turn it off because all they're doing is yelling at each other. And then I'll put on CNN Philippines a little bit and all they're doing is yelling about something. And then I'll look at ABS, CBN and read a few articles and all they're doing is yelling at each other and go, you know what? How do you live in a world where all people do is attack each other? If we didn't have the presence, no wonder people are going crazy. All the everything you do, you're criticized for today. All the shaming of social media. I mean, please, sometimes young people, I, I don't, you know, when we were young, we didn't have all that social media nonsense. And so you, you didn't hear, people could not hide and hurl. They could not hide and then say horrible, nasty things. Oh, you look so ugly today with your hair. Who are you trying to be? Yeah. And, you know, just 
All these people trying to rip away your self-esteem. All these people trying to rip away your self-respect. Everything you do, they're just, they're just mocking you. Shaming each other. Humiliating each other in social media. Uh, young people, it's no wonder young people commit suicide. But in his presence, you don't find any of that. In his presence, you only find favor. In his presence, you only find honor. You come into his presence, your heavenly father honors you. Did you hear what I just said? In his presence, your heavenly father shows favor to you. In his presence, your heavenly father goes, wow, I'm so proud of you. You're doing, I mean, folks, in his presence, there is none of that stuff out there in the world that just rips the human soul to shreds. When you sit down with the Father, it's like, take your greatest imagination of the most kindest, wonderful, loving, gentle grandfather and multiply it by infinity. And that's what it's like to go sit down with your Heavenly Father. He only bestows favor. He only bestows honor in his presence. Everybody say, favor and honor. Say it again. Not getting very far tonight. In his presence, there's joy. Acts chapter 2, verse 28. You have made known to me the path of life. You make me full of gladness, full of joy in your presence. In his what? Some of you, forgive me, you are so depressed because of what you just read that somebody commented on your Facebook page about. You're so depressed because somebody didn't like your hair. You're so depressed because somebody said something about the clothes you were wearing. You're so depressed because somebody fat shamed you or skinny shamed you or whatever kind of shame that people put on you today. You're, you're, so, you're so discouraged and you're so depressed. When you come into his presence, he fills you with joy. He fills you with what? And, and that joy is funny. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 5, ESV says, Your heart shall thrill and exalt because of the abundance of joy. Isaiah 60, verse 5, NIV says, Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. Now, you have to understand what joy does. All the stress, all the negative words, all the ugly criticism, all of that stuff sits on your soul. And it's just like compressing everything in your insides, and it makes you smaller and smaller. It makes you what? It makes you what? Now, when you come into the presence of God, think of your soul like a compressed balloon. And now God starts filling you with joy. And all of a sudden, your soul begins to throb and swell with joy. What happens to all that stress and negativity that people have been putting on you? It's just broken off of you. It's just what? This is why I say the presence of God is good mental health. You will stay positive when you stay in his presence. Everybody say, People of the presence, stay positive. 
Why? Because their heart is constantly throbbing and swelling with joy. And all of that discouragement and all that negativity, all that awful criticism and all that shame and guilt people are putting on you, it, it just blows off of you. Have you ever noticed how physical tiredness discourages you? How many of you have ever been really, really tired? Not just for one day. I'm talking about for a week or two. Re I mean, you're just, you're, you're burnt. You feel like a piece of burnt toast. Put your hand up high. You're just burnt. You've, you've gone and gone and gone and gone and gone and gone and gone, and you are just out of gas. You are just burnt. How many of you know that feeling? Do you remember how your soul felt? How'd your soul feel? Discouraged. Negative. You were tired. Is that right? Is that right? The soul and the physical body are very linked together. When you're sick, you feel negative and depressed and discouraged. When you're healthy, you feel good. The soul and the body, there's a real close thing in there, folks. Remember, you're one person with three parts. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. The joy of the Lord is your when God fills you with joy in his presence, the strength returns. What returns? A person of the presence is not a burned out person. A person of the presence is never burnt out. When people come to me and they say, I'm just burnt out, I need to take a, a, a sabbatical leave, I need to do this, I need to do that. I look at people and go, why are you burnt? Don't you pray? Why, why are you, you burned out? Do you just work and work and work and never read your Bible? Don't you get up and have devotions every morning before you go to work? Oh, pastor, you just don't understand the work that I do. Yes, I do understand the work that you do. You want to do my job for a while? Come do my job for a while. Don't tell me it's so hard. The secret is in his presence there is fullness of joy. How do you handle the stress? In his presence, your heart throbs and swells with joy. How do you handle the criticism and negativity? In his presence, there is favor and honor. Are you getting this? Folks, you need physically, and you need in your soul, you need to seek the presence of God. This is where we were meant to live. This is the rejuvenator of life. You stay plugged in to the presence of God. Would you stand with me, please? I'm going to stop there tonight. I think I got one point done. Yeah, I got one point done. We'll pick up next Friday night. Now, I'm not teaching you any great revelation tonight. But let's be very honest. Prosperity has brought challenges. When you didn't have a job, you didn't have any pressure, but neither did you have any money. Money is nice, but now you have to deal with the pressure. When you didn't have that promotion, you didn't get any criticism. Nobody knew who you were. But neither did you have that nice car. 
But now you've got that promotion. You've got the title, you've got the car, and you've got the responsibility and the criticism. I didn't hear you. And honestly, folks, you, you can watch people change as they prosper. And please, I don't say this to criticize anybody, but you can watch people change as they get promotions. You can watch them change as they prosper because they haven't remembered that the solution to all of this stress, all of this pressure, all of this fatigue, the solution for all of it is to get up every day and spend time in the presence of God. Our soul, our flesh cry out for the presence. Not for another doctrine, please. You know, I love good doctrine. But my soul doesn't cry out to learn a new eschatological truth. My soul doesn't cry out to learn a, a new intricate theological thing. My soul cries out for the presence of God. Now, if you're going to do this, and please forgive me, if you're, if you're going to not dry up and be like a just... How many of you like grapes? How many of you like raisins? It's the same thing. Just one of them's dried up. I like raisins better, Pastor. Well, that's because we need to lay hands on you. <laughs> there are so many Christians today. All the real stuff is there. Forgive me. All the stuff is there. They're just dried up. Everybody think they're just dried up. They're like a shriveled up little full of wrinkles. All the stuff is there. Just dried up. All the pressure, all that you have gone through has just dried you up. And what you don't realize is you need to be in the presence. And then you can handle all of this stuff and you won't change in Jesus' name. Now, I just tried to teach you very simply tonight. I want you just to lift your hands before God. And I want you to begin to tell God that you want His presence. That you seek Him with all your heart and with all your soul. Go ahead.